Welcome to Victory Church Podcast. At Victory, we are committed to connecting people to God, His church and their purpose. For more information, visit victorychurch.net.au. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. Amen. And so I want to share this, uh, this evening just something that I've entitled The Anointing which is kind of like a, a spiritual word, and I'll explain it in just a moment. But I want to look at the anointing because it's an important part of the Christian life. The anointing is an important part of the Christian life. And I want to read from the New Testament. It's a book called Luke from the fourth chapter. Luke chapter four, reading from verse 14. And it simply says that Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. If there's anything we need uh, a lot of today, it's the power of the Holy Spirit, like Jesus operated in. And it says the news about him spread throughout the whole countryside. Can I just say this? The news wasn't always good, but his name just went out all the time. There's one thing you could not do with Jesus, and that was ignore him. There are people, you either loved Jesus or you hated Jesus, but you could not ignore who he was and what he was doing. He taught in their synagogues and everyone praised him. He went to Nazareth where he'd been brought up. And on the Sabbath day, he went to the synagogue, get this as was his custom. On the Sabbath, he went to church as was his custom. Why should we go to church regularly? Because Jesus did. He might have done it on the Saturday, we do it on the Sunday, but he had a regular time in his week where he set aside time and went to church. And he subjected himself to man's teaching about himself effectively. <laughs> Have you thought about that? God went to church and listened to man talk about God. And he did that on a regular basis. If you don't think you need to go to church, if you think you don't need to go to church, there was one person who did not need to go to church and that was Jesus, but he did. Why? Because he was trying to set a pattern for us to follow. It didn't say he went to the synagogue when he felt like it. He didn't say... He didn't go when it was 41 degrees. And I imagine in that part of the world, there were a few hot days. P.S. There was no air conditioning. And Jesus went as was His custom. 41 degrees, Jesus was there. Listening to man talk about Himself, God, and Jesus looking to the Father saying, forgive them, they don't know what they're doing. And so He went on a regular basis, that alone should be enough for us to get to church on a regular basis. He says, and he stood up to read. The scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it was written. What I love about Jesus, he knew where things were written. If you were handed a Bible, would you know where certain things are written? Or he's like, oh, where's that scripture? Um, it's my favourite verse, I love it. Where is it? Um, Jesus knew where things were in the Word of God, which says to me, He read it regularly. You always become familiar with what you attend regularly. Yeah? And He said this, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because He has anointed me. Everyone say anointed. He's anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and the recovery of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. Jesus highlights two very important things here. 
The first one is this. He said, the Spirit is on me and He has anointed me. Jesus was known as Jesus Christ. Christ means anointed one. Christ was not Jesus' surname. Jesus was not of the family of Christ. It wasn't like sign here, Jesus Christ, son of Mr. Christ and Mrs. Christ, brother Christ and sister Christ. No, no, it's not his last name. That, that's what he was. He was anointed. He was the anointed one. And he says this, he says, not only that he was anointed, but he says, number two, that the Spirit has anointed him to do. He had the anointing of the Holy Spirit on his life for a reason. He was anointed to do, not just that he might feel good. You see, when it comes to the anointing, there, there's much mysticism around what it is and what it is not. There are some of you today who may never have heard that uh, word before, and that's great. We as a church exist for people that have never heard Christian words before. And so you're in a great place. There are others who've been around uh, for a long period of time and you have an understanding of what the anointing is. And, and some people think the anointing uh, looks like people rolling around on the floor and, and all those sorts of things. And, and I think you know, that, 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 that can be the anointing, but it's not always the anointing. And so we want to look at tonight what the anointing is. But we see here Jesus was very clear that it, the anointing was not just to feel good. The anointing was not just to entertain you in a Christian service. The, uh, the anointing was not something the pastor just prayed for you and, and you got a, a few goosebumps and shake, shook a little and, and rolled around on the floor and, and did some carpet time and, and that's the anointing. If that's what it was, Jesus would have said, that's what it is. But He said, no, I've been anointed for a purpose and that is to preach good news to the poor. That is to proclaim freedom for prisoners and to release the oppressed. You see, the anointing means to authorise or to set apart a person for a particular work of service. When we talk about the anointing, we're talking about an authority. We're talking about being set apart. We're talking about being set apart for a particular purpose. That's what it is to be an anointed man or woman of God, that we've been authorised from on high, that we've been empowered from God above. And we've been set apart to do a particular work. It's much like our police force that have been given power and authority. They've been given a badge, but it's not just a badge. There's authority that comes with the badge. And so they're able to stand in front of traffic and put their hand out and, and, and a massive lorry can just slow down because they've been given authority by the government, a higher authority. You try and do that without the authority of a higher authority, it's going to be like, and you're just, just out of there or you become roadkill. And so just like our police force have been authorised by a higher authority that gives them an ability to be able to do a particular job, that's what the anointing is for the Christian. 
It's you and I that have been authorised by a higher authority to do a particular job that we could otherwise not do in our own strength. It's a supernatural ability to get a job done, whatever it may be. The anointing comes to do something in us, to do something through us. If you want God to use you, you've got to first let Him do something in you. If you want Him to flow through you, you've got to let Him do something in you. Say, God, I want to be used to heal the sick. That's a great, great thought and it's a great desire. But God can't flow through a vessel that is all messed up with unforgiveness and bitterness. And so before the healing flows through you, He might just do some adjusting in us. And that may take place tonight. And I want us to welcome it. See, it's the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Godhead that the one, is the one that does the anointing. The Holy Spirit is not a power. It's not a force. It's not a feeling. He's a person. He's the third person of the Godhead. He's co-equal with God the Father and He's co-equal with God the Son. And the Holy Spirit's job is to empower the believer to do what we otherwise could not naturally do. He wants to give us a supernatural power. I've got a list of a few things that the Holy Spirit wants to come and do in us. The first thing is He wants to comfort us. In John 14 verse 16, it says, I will ask the Father, and He will give you another counsellor to be with you forever. The Greek word is parakletos, which means intercessor, counsellor, advocate and comforter. The Holy Spirit wants to come and comfort you in your times of trouble. It's the Holy Spirit that's comforting, I believe, right now, Pete and Kathy Victory, as they mourn the loss of their son. And we want to stand with them and say, Holy Spirit, won't you wrap your loving arms around them and comfort them? and give them a supernatural hope and a supernatural comfort that goes beyond their circumstance. Won't you do that in their life, Lord? That's what tonight's about, us praying for people that are in those situations and those circumstances. And that's the job of the Holy Spirit. So you come and do what we can't always do. I said to this couple this morning, I, I got no words, but I just hugged them both. And under my breath, I just prayed, Holy Spirit, comfort them. Holy Spirit, love on this couple. Holy Spirit, make up for the loss in their life. And the amazing thing is, for those of you who had any contact with the victories today, they are doing unbelievably, exceptionally, supernaturally well. And that's not a natural thing. It's not natural behaviour. They are not normal people, let me tell you. If you ever thought the victories were not normal, you're right. No one at victory is normal, least of all the victories. <laughs> that should be true for all of us. We shouldn't be normal. It's the Holy Spirit who takes the normal and gives us a supernatural ability to face circumstances and situations in an abnormal way. Yes, there's grief. Yes, there's mourning but they're responding in a different way. I spoke about Phil Camden this morning, being diagnosed with MND, motor neurons disease. And instead of just giving up, yes, he had to hand over his church. There are some realities to that disease. But instead of just hiding away and feeling sorry of himself, 
He's gone into the hospice. He's gone into the hospitals. And there he is just declaring the gospel to all those who've had, got the same diagnosis as him. It's not normal behaviour. We're not normal. The Holy Spirit takes normal people like you and I and makes us abnormal, supernatural. And He comforts us. And if you're facing a difficult situation, if you're facing a tough time, we want to stand with you. And we're going to believe that the Holy Spirit would saturate your life, your heart and your soul and bring the comfort that He promises that He'll bring in His Word. Secondly, he teaches us all things. In John 14, verse 26, it says, But the counsel of the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send, will teach you all things. Have you ever read the Scriptures and just got nothing out of it? Can I encourage you, if, that's, if you've ever done that, ask the Holy Spirit to help you. I'm getting nothing out of this. As a family, well, as a church, we went through the Minor Prophets not too long ago. And I thought what we'd do as a family, we'd go through the minor prophets first. Leaders go through things first. We thought before we put this onto the church, we're going to go through it as a family first. And I never get the, getting halfway through the minor prophets. And I said to Mitch, I said, hey, Mitch, how's your reading going? He said, oh, Dad, it's dry. <laughs> oh, it's dry. He said, Israel, this, this is what stands out to me. Israel suck. There are some parts of the Bible that, that aren't as exciting as others. I get that. But it's amazing. Even in those moments, the Holy Spirit can just breathe life into His Word. He can teach us through circumstances and situations that we don't understand. If you find yourself that I don't know what's going on. I don't understand. I don't get it, Lord. Have you ever said that? Because I have. Have you ever been in one of those moments? I don't get it. They're those moments. See, I know I'm connecting now because that's every one of you. Every one of us has been in those moments. Even the non-Christians have said that. It's amazing because there's no real atheist. An atheist is to deny the existence of God. I've never met an atheist. Because even people say that they don't believe in God. When, it's, when, when, when they, the chips are down, they blame God. They, they, God! No atheist talks to someone who doesn't exist. And if you've ever found yourself crying out to God, what is going on? I don't get it. I don't understand. I can't cope. Can I say next time? You feel like that. Ask the Holy Spirit to bring His wisdom, to bring His teaching. Teach me. What are you trying to teach me in this time? What are you trying to show me in this time? Because the Bible says He will teach us all things. He'll teach us all things. Such is the job of the Holy Spirit. Number three, he reminds us of all things. In John 14, verse 26, it says, But the counsel of the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will remind you of everything I have said to you. I, I love this. The context here is Jesus talking to the disciples. And they said, hey, you know what? When you're brought before the authorities, don't worry about what you'll say. And at that moment, they're thinking, uh, I'm not worried about what I'll say. I'm just worried about being brought before the authorities. Go back there. What were you talking about? What do you mean brought before the authorities? But Jesus said, no, 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 just, just bear with me. It's going to happen. Just, just bear with me. He said, but when you're brought before the authorities, don't worry about what you'll say. Because the Holy Spirit will bring back to your remembrance certain things that you feel like you've forgotten. And He'll, he'll, he'll put those into your heart. And you'll find yourself saying the right thing at the right time to the right people. 
That's the work of the Holy Spirit. Have you ever been in a moment where you're with someone and, and, and you, just, you just got this supernatural wisdom flowing through your being and you're thinking, wow, that's amazing. Have you ever, have you ever had that privilege? It's like, that's, oh, no. You need the anointing, I'm telling you, sister. You need, it's an amazing thing. But, but here's the thing, that's why we need to be readers of the Word of God because the Holy Spirit can only bring to our remembrance that which is first in. The Holy Spirit can't remind us of that Scripture we've never read. And that's why I encourage you to get a daily reading program. And even if you feel like you've got nothing out of it, in just reading it, it's, something's going in. And it gives us the ability for the Holy Spirit to be able to bring that which we forgot to our remembrance. Chris knows this as a preacher and anyone else who's ever preached would know this to be true. Or maybe some of you teachers, people have stood in front of people, you, you've got a message and then you're talking and as you're talking, God drops a thought and a scripture, something that was not in your notes, something that you didn't even really think about until that moment and you go down there and it was that, what you said that was not in your notes, that was the moment in the meeting. That's, that's not a natural thing. That's a supernatural thing. And I, I've just learnt, after preaching for many, many years, I've just learnt that when the Holy Spirit's on something, they just go with it. We were taught as, as young teenagers in Bible college, you know, to prepare like there's no Holy Spirit. And then when you're preaching, rely on nothing but the Holy Spirit. I think it's a good lesson in life. So we prepare, we prepare, but then we've, we're not so precious. Can I say to the songwriters, write a song, Submit it to God. Submit it to those who, who know how to put a song together. Don't be precious, so precious and, and just, just see what comes. Holy Spirit wants to come and, and do some things in our lives and bring these things back to our remembrance. See, I'm just getting off track. I was going to go down a tangent because I'm going to pull back. Just. Number four, it's the Holy Spirit, this anointing that testifies to us about Jesus. In John chapter 15, verse 26, it says that when the counsellor comes, whom I will send to you from the Father. See the teamwork? She said, I'll send him, but he comes from the Father. We work together. The Spirit of truth who goes out from you, uh, sorry, goes out from the Father, he will testify about me. It's the Holy Spirit will show us who Jesus is. It's the Holy Spirit that will show us what Jesus does. It's the Holy Spirit that will show us why Jesus does it. He will give His heart. See, that's why just reading the Bible alone without the Holy Spirit breathing life on those words is not enough. The religious people, the scholars of the day, the ones who understood and read the Bible did not receive Jesus because they didn't have the Holy Spirit showing them who Jesus was. The, the, the people of the day were expecting a Messiah to come, one who would redeem Israel. And when the Redeemer stood before them, they didn't recognise Him. Because it's the Holy Spirit that gives you the understanding and the insight as to who Jesus is. If you don't have the Holy Spirit giving you that insight, you'll just come to the conclusion, yes, Jesus did live on planet Earth. Yes, He died at the age of about 33 years. And yes, He was a good man and He was a moral man and He was a good teacher. That's all you've got. But it's the Holy Spirit says, no, 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 He was much more than that. The Holy Spirit, full of wisdom, starts saying, no, 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 He can't be a good teacher and not Lord because He said He was Lord. And if He's not Lord, He's a liar. And a liar does not make for a good teacher. The Holy Spirit gives us wisdom, saying, no, there's, there's got to be more to Jesus than Him just being a good teacher. 
And he starts to show us and almost backs us into a corner that, that, that Jesus is who He said He is. And so if you've got questions about Jesus tonight and who He is, and maybe you've never made that decision to give Christ, your life, sorry, to Christ. And can I just say this? Every person in this room does give their life to something or someone. It's not foolish to think that I have given my life to Jesus. Because if you don't give your life to Jesus, you'll give it to something else. You'll give it to someone else. I know many people have given their lives to drugs. I know many people that have given their lives to alcohol. I know many people that have given their lives to a person or to a cause. So it's not ridiculous to think that we could give our lives to Jesus. And it's the Holy Spirit that makes sense of that statement. It's the Holy Spirit that gives us the understanding of who Christ is. Number five, it's the Holy Spirit that convicts us and the world of sin. In John 16 verse 8, are you with me? It says, when He comes, He will convict the world of guilt in regard to sin and righteousness and judgment to come. See, we don't have to twist people's arms. If, if you've been struggling to introduce your family to Jesus or get them to church, can I say, ask the Holy Spirit to, to move in their lives. That's His job. I mentioned there are a number of people that gave their lives to Christ this morning. That was not because of my preaching. That was not because of the warm welcome. That was not because of this building. That was not because of the music. That was not because of the song selection. All those things are, are key ingredients where we help in partnership with God. But when a man or woman comes to that place and says, I'm ready to commit my life to Jesus, that's a work of the Holy Spirit. That's not, that's not your song selection. That's not your incredible voice, Naomi, and you do have an incredible voice. It's not your guitar playing, Derek, or your shirt, although both are amazing. It's definitely not his shoes. He's not wearing any. <laughs> this place has gone to rack and ruin, I'm telling you. Just, I've never seen so many shorts and tank tops in my whole life. This is just awesome. Welcome to church. And sandals. With socks. <laughs> With socks. <laughs> but the Holy Spirit, I believe even now, working on people's lives. Just a change and adjust attitudes. I'm believing that tonight God is and will continue to adjust, shift, change attitudes. Because the best argument, the best evidence alone is not enough. It's much better to say, Lord. And can I say as we spend a bit of time singing and praying. And we want to pray that God will continue to work in people's lives. But can we include ourselves in that prayer? I'm convinced sometimes we don't get healed and certain things don't happen the way we would like them to. Is because God is trying to get to a deeper issue in our lives. He's trying to get to a deeper issue. And I think if your prayers are not being answered according to the way you think they should be answered, maybe we need to change our prayers and say, Lord, if there's anything in my life stopping my prayers being answered according to the way I think they 
should be answered. Will you reveal that to me? And the Holy Spirit has an incredible way of doing that. We live with unforgiveness. The Holy Spirit has an incredible way of just that person. You want to do great things for God? I need you to sort your mess out. I need you to deal with that thing. Can't move forward on that. Not why you're so bitter and twisted about that. And it's freeing. We often see the conviction of the Holy Spirit as a bad thing. It's actually a good thing. Oh, wow. Wow. I, I never forget I was preaching. It was only our 16th anniversary in this church. And, and I, I preached a message called, God I love, it's people I can't stand. But as, as I, was, I was preaching, I said to the church, I said, I was going to call it something else. And I was in a bit of a cheeky mood, as can happen. And, and I said, do you, know what I, do, you know, do you want to know what I was going to call it? And being the sick church that we are, they said, yeah, we want to know. I said, this is what I was going to call it. Are you ready? And yeah, tell us. And I said, God I love, but people give me the, and I, I said a word. And everybody was laughing and joking, and it was like, you're the best pastor in the world. And so I said, actually, you know what, I'm just, that was just a trial one. Do you want to know what I was really going to call it? <laughs> and I did it a second time and went even further. And, and I, kid, I kid you not, no sooner had these couple of words came out of my mouth than the Holy Spirit's going, oi. And I know that, oi. But I also know how to avoid it. And so I'm preaching, and I've got this oi. And I'm preaching my notes, I'm getting excited, I'm going over here, I'm going over there, I'm running around, and, and we're doing all this stuff, and I, we closed the meeting, and it was awesome. And, and then I'm still feeling this, uh, are we going to talk? Uh, are we going to talk? And I'm saying, you know what? Um, and I started making all these pastoral phone calls on Sunday afternoon, which is not something I would normally do. And I remember phoning people, hi, how are you doing? It's Tony. Was, yeah, and they said, like, well, yeah, hi, how are you doing? I said, yeah, I just been going to say, like, really? You never do that? Yeah, just, don't judge me. Just, can't I love on you? Can't I just ring you because I love you? So I made all these phone calls, just get busy. I think that's what we do when God's trying to get our attention, we keep busy. And then I had Sunday nights, so that was covered to preach again. That kept me busy, so I'm just preaching again. I was able to ignore him for about 12 hours. The trouble is, when the Holy Spirit does his best work, it's usually at night. When there's no one to preach to, and he's lying in bed. And I forget that night, I'm lying in bed. He goes, so? And I'm like, oh, Lord, I thank you for a great day. It was an amazing day. You're an amazing God. I love you, Lord. You're amazing. I love you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Love you. <laughs> you know, kids do it with their dad. Dad, you're amazing. So, yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, we're going to talk. And the whole time, I'm just thinking, it's just like, the Holy Spirit never sulks. We can interpret that 
because of how we're feeling. Are we going to talk? Are we going to talk about what happened today or not? If we don't talk about it tonight, we'll talk about it tomorrow morning. And this is what I've learned with the Holy Spirit. He's persistent. We, we serve a God that never sleeps nor slumbers. He doesn't get tired. I get tired. He wears us down. If you're running from God, <laughs> good luck. If you're hiding from God, <laughs> good luck with that. Adam and Eve tried that. They went behind the bush. The trouble is, where's behind for God? He's everywhere. The Bible says it this way. If you go to the heavens, he's there. If you go below, there, he's there. He's there. So you go behind the bush, but God's there. I know what I'll do. If he's behind the bush, I'll go in front of the bush. No, but he's there. I'll go to the side of the bush. He's there. Well, I'll go to the other side. He's there. You can't run from God. I'll go on top of the bush. He's there. Do you love the Holy Spirit enough to be your counsellor? Yeah, we all love him as comforter. But do we love him enough to be the one who convicts us? I've just learned to love the Holy Spirit enough, even as the convictor of my sin, because it saved me so much trouble. And yeah, I gave myself 12 hours of grief, I did. But it's better than 12 years. I know some people, they hold on to stuff for years. And they talk about something that happened. They're like, man, when did that happen? Thinking, it must have happened this morning, like 20 years ago. You've lived with that for 20 years? Oh my gosh. That's exhausting. I just, it's exhausting. When you let the Holy Spirit come and do what He does and bring that conviction from time to time, you live clean. You sleep at night. Life's a joy and not a burden. You don't have to be paranoid and wonder what everyone's thinking. Why are they talking? Are they talking about me? No, they probably don't even know you exist. <laughs> you know, after that moment, am I going too long? Is it okay? After that moment, Holy Spirit, are we going to talk? I said, oh, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. It sounds like I'm being flippant. I'm actually, no, I, I was really broken. So sorry. I said, I just keep stuffing things up. I said, God, I feel like David. He's got blood on my hands. He could no longer build the temple because he's got too much blood on his hands. He had to hand over to his son. And I'm thinking, God, I don't know if I can keep doing this. I've got too much blood on my hands. In fact, God's like, yeah, you do. But the Holy Spirit, being the convictor, also is the comforter. And he's the one that brings things back to our remembrance. And he's the testifier of who Jesus is. And at that moment, he was all of those things to me because he reminded me what the scripture said. He reminded me of the work of Jesus. He said, yeah, you've got blood in your hands, but because of the blood of Jesus, there's been a divine exchange, your blood for his blood. And he can purify you again. And I never forget, I could not wait for Sunday to come. 
I just could not wait to just apologize to the whole church. I just, it just could not come quick enough. I just want to get to church, I just want to apologize to everyone. I don't forget we had one song, I said, this is ridiculous. I've just got to get up here. I said, church, something happened last week. If you weren't here, uh, you probably really want to know. I'm not going to repeat it. You'll have to find out from someone else. But I told them what had happened. I said, I felt God say, your blood for my blood. And we had this moment of communion. I had a big bowl of grape juice and a big crusty loaf. And we had communion at that moment. It was one of the most sweetest communion times we've ever had. At my expense. The thing the devil wanted to take me out and question ministry and whether I should keep going on, the Holy Spirit has turned it around. And it became one of our greatest moments we've had around the communion time. That's what he can do for you if we're open. That actually, it could be us. What's going on? Maybe the problem's you. Maybe the problem's not your wife. We say, Lord, sort her out. Show her, Lord. Holy Spirit, you are welcome here to fix my wife. <laughs> Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. Come move on her heart because she's got so hard and bitter. <laughs> we do that, don't we? And that's what he does, but he wants to do it in us as well. I'm taking too long. He comes to help us and give us power in prayer. And he comes to help us in our weakness, number seven. In Romans chapter 8, verse 26, it says in the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. When I said he helps us in our weakness, I went to a scripture, you thought, oh, what's he going to say? He helps us in our weakness. That's why I got the title, he helps us in our weakness. It's real simple. You ever felt weak? It's amazing. The answer's in what we say. I feel weak. Well, there's your answer. Go to the Holy Spirit, he'll help you in your weakness. You just said you're weak. So this always I feel weak. How about this? I need help, Holy Spirit. And I'm trusting the Holy Spirit will bring back these seven points to our remembrance. And if we're feeling weak, what we think he's going to do is come and change the circumstances. Now, sometimes we have to go through the circumstances. Nothing's going to change. Some of you, nothing's going to change. But you're going to feel stronger in your weakness. Paul, it says, pleaded three times to get this thorn out of his flesh. We don't know what the thorn was. But whatever the thorn was, God never removed it. He says, three times I pleaded. Can I identify with that? How many times you pleaded? Three times. How many, let's be honest. Four, five, 10, 15, 20. Maybe it's a hundred times. God, get this thorn out of my... And we usually use language like that and we talk about a person. Get this thorn away from me. And then Paul had a revelation. Actually, you know what? I don't think God's going to do anything about the thorn. I think he's going to do something in me. And so Paul says, I boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses because it's my weakness I made strong. Because Paul got a revelation that God's grace is sufficient. When God's not removing the thorn in your life, ask for his grace. Sometimes he'll take things away other times you'll put things in you. Either way, the Holy Spirit can do both. Thank you for taking the time to listen. If you have any questions, please email us at admin at victorychurch.net.au. 